the analogy that I'm getting here is that the economy before this was a toothless crack whore on heroin. And right now, the economy is a toothless crack whore on heroin with coronavirus in the hospital. <laughs> beautiful and amazing human beings. This is Luke Radowski of We Are Change. We're joined today by John Snyson. He is a financial historian. And of course, Tim Fischette. He is a financial planner and he is the Liberty Advisor. Now, in this particular video, I specifically wanted to talk to everyone about Trump's latest announcement that the country could be reopened in one week after the lockdown because to him... The cure cannot be worse than the problem itself. He even went as far as to saying that he would defy doctor's orders only because he wants to open the economy. He wants America running again. He wants business to be open. And that's an extremely dangerous gambit. What do you guys think of it? What are going to be the larger implications of this if this goes through? And what's going to happen if this doesn't go through? Uh, whoever wants it takes it. Yeah, John, to be okay. Yeah, right, sure. yeah, I, so, yeah, so I'll go. So uh, you know what's what's really funny here is uh, that they're they're just bail bailing out left, right, and center all these corporations that were bankrupt. That you know, uh, what was it? Uh, Boeing was doing ninety seven percent of their cash flow. They're shoved into share buybacks to push up their price, and then we wonder why their airplanes fell out of the uh, sky. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> and they also and, outsourced the programming of that to th third yeah. world countries to make a bunch, you know, save a bunch of money. Yeah. And they're like, oh, the third world didn't program this effectively. Yeah. They, they sent all their jobs to India, uh, right, to get all their lucrative no-bid contracts in the United States because they also make bombs and weapons in the military-industrial complex. I mean, you want to talk about the U.S. economy? That's, that's pretty much the large majority of it. Sorry, John, I cut you off. No, no, we, we also have an article on screen uh, where it was Boeing, which demands a $60 billion taxpayer bailout, refuses to give the U.S. an equity stake. So what they mean by that is Trump said, you know, if we're going to give you all this money, we want to at least be able to participate in your potential growth. Uh, and and so, so what this means is now they wanted to have basically have Boeing stock and now Boeing's saying, you know, you're not getting any ever stock. We just want our money. We've given you, we've bought off so many politicians. So, uh, you know, thank you for playing. Uh, we're Boeing. Well, it's, it's like in Norway, you know, they, uh, they own a whole bunch of uh, different stocks and different companies. For example, Equinor, they own 51% stake in the biggest oil company in Norway. And that's where, you know, you get state owned uh, capitalism, they call it, or I call it just pure, pure socialism. Uh, where they, uh, you know, hold a majority stake in in corporations. This is just a, another, you know, excuse for the government to take more power over corporations in a socialist way. And of course, that's totally opposite of what we're getting told about Trump. Uh, you know, uh, for the government actually taking a stake in, in a corporation, and we know how efficient. You know, for example, in Canada, you know, Bombardier has been you know, bailed out so many times by the Canadian government uh, and, and other, that's another air, air company. It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful yeah. Trump stake though. It's, it's a yeah. huge Trump but, stake. But hold on, I, I want to, I want to pose a question yeah. to you guys because I mean, Trump uh, let in Goldman Sachs, you know, he pretty much let in the swamp to have control of all these bailouts that there's no disclosures of where the money majority of it goes to. Uh, but at the same time, He's looking at drastic measures to end this crisis that has been benefiting them for, for so long. But at what cost? Uh, you know, so, so that's the thing. That's kind of contradictory viewpoints because at one hand, he does let Goldman Sachs do whatever they want. But two, he wants to end this crisis so they could stop doing that. Uh, well, what do but, you guys make of that? 
Well, I mean, think about think of it this way, though. I mean, the most amount of money is made during these types of crises. So if you're somebody like Goldman Sachs or, or any of these big mega corporations or Boeing, your smaller competitors, they end up going out of business. But the big guys, they get to, you know, have their clout and say, hey, we've got this many hundreds of thousands of jobs or this amount of millions are on the line or billion of people or jobs are on the lines or these many billions of dollars to the economy is on the line. So these uh, so if everything crashes down, then these guys end up getting, you know, like $60 billion bailouts. And then they can use part of that $60 billion bailouts to then buy up some of their competitors who went out of business. And then when everything uh, ends up going back up, they've already consolidated. And now they've gotten rid of their, their competitors. Just look what happened in 2008. We have yeah. more consolidated, more centralized control of the banking system. The big banks all too big to fail banks all got even bigger. Nothing happened to them. Nobody went to jail. Even, uh, what is it, Eric Holder even said that, what was it, HSBC was too big to jail. So, I mean, and even look at how this entire monetary system got started to begin with. You had essentially the uh, the Bauer family, which really uh, was the Rothschild family. They had a red shield in their door. Red shield in German is Rothschild. They ended up, uh, you know, I guess the real quick version of this is they ended up, uh, you know, knowing that Napoleon had lost the uh, Napoleonic War. They spread a rumor saying Napoleon had won. It brought the British stock market down to zero. And so you might think, so it's sort of like this, where they bring this, the stock market down and then they got to swoop in with this other money they had got from a German prince. And then when people found out that, that the, um, that uh, what's his name, uh, Napoleon had actually lost the war, they ended up winning the, they ended up, you know, having, uh, you know, essentially owning the British economy. And that's a super, 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 super uh, cliff note version of that because the main thing we want to talk about was Trump. But I, I think this, this, this yeah. could. Well, so like, just really quick, just to cut you off. I asked Lord Jacob Rothschild about that directly, the whole Napoleon thing. He's like, Oh, no, I don't know anything about that. that, that I'm like, come on, you gotta be. You gotta be <laughs> well, that, that, that's how Norway. That's how Norway actually lost. Like we, we used to be part of Denmark. Then we got uh, sent over to Sweden in 19. No, sorry, in 1814 when we actually lost our. Uh, well, we had our, you know, our government. We created our, uh, our constitution, but then we got sold over to Sweden because they were on the winning side in the Napoleonic War. So yeah, no, it's, uh, they're just full of these bankers. Like what, what's happening here is that. These bankers are doing deep behind the windows. You know, they're making mass amounts of money and all the volatility that's going on. Uh, and today, the reason why it's going so fast up and down is because most of it is computers running our uh, running our trading. There's there's not really very many people left that are actually physically, you know, trading stocks anymore uh, or using computers. It's most of them are just like algos, high-frequency trading bots that are basically, uh, you know, set to trade in a certain way in certain aspects. And and you see like massive crashes that, you know, stops, you know, trading at, uh, at, uh, you know, the exchanges, all this stuff. It's happening because these banks, they're, they're, they're full of it. And, and if, you know, we were talking about Trump opening up the economy. So there's massive risk on spreading the virus again. You know, you're going to probably have like millions upon millions very fast, you know, that will get the coronavirus because it's like a flu virus, you know, it spreads very fast into millions upon millions of people. I think it was like 65 million people in the U.S. that got the flu, right? So uh, you're looking at it spreading around. And then on the other side, like that's going to put massive pressure on all the, you know, healthcare system that's already is, you know, uh, in the in the gutter. And then you're looking at, you know, uh, trying to have the economy function. But the problem is not, the economy is not functioning. They had to, like, just within a very short period of time, they had to be completely bailed out because they had no money left because they had so much debt that they were dead, these corporations. They were zombies, you know, uh, roaming around. 
you want to yeah, just let yeah, people know what, zomb- what a zombie is? Because a zombie, there actually is a definite. So a zombie company is actually a company that can own that can't even basically afford to pay its interest, and so that's why they've had to lower these interest rates, go to potentially negative. We do have an article from Rabobank, and it says that many are questioning the point of having a market if the Fed is backstopping everything, and that's so we don't have capitalism right now. This is complete BS system that we have, where you know. Comrade Rutsky. Communism. Pure communism. Go ahead, Tim. Yeah, no, this is a, a pure, this is a, a pure, I mean, it's, it's probably more of like a fascistic type system, but you know, whether it's fascism or communism, it doesn't really matter. It's, it's all just a small amount of people controlling everything and getting richer off all this. And it, it really, you know, in a, in a free market, it would be much easier to decide what's going on. But we don't have a free market. We have a Fed backstop market. Yeah, if we take a look at the screen here, what's going on in the market right now, it is the Dow is up 1600, a little over 1600 points. The S&P is up over 172. So these are huge moves, 8% and 7% respectively. But the thing is, this is all predicated on the Federal Reserve and other central banks backstop in this market. We have a fake, phony economy, just like everything else that's been going on. And, you know, in the absence of all this money printing, I don't think that we'd actually see any of these gains uh, going on here, Luke. I mean, just to bring the conversation back to where we started, uh, there's also a Texas lieutenant governor who just came out publicly and said, senior citizens would rather die than see the government's economy ruined for their grandchildren. Uh, again, huge gambit, huge risk here, but let's just, let's just play, believe, play in this make-believe world that is our economic system. And let's say uh, Donald Trump opens the economy, everyone goes back to work, uh, everything's fine. Technically, let's just say this is hypothetical. Everything's fine. Will it be enough to save the economy? Will it be enough to bring back the economy to where it was before? No, you can't bring back the economy. The economy is uh, screwed in the first place. So what we were talking about was zombies that, you know, they're, they're basically corporations that can't uh, pay anything else but the interest on the debt because that's all they can afford. So they never pay down the principal. The debt always increases every single year. Uh, and, and if we're going to go back to normal, we're also going to have to see interest rates go up. And with the amount of debt, you know, that we have, uh, the, the, the payments on that interest is just going to rise drastically. And, and when you look at zombies, well, so we've got zombie corporation, but we also have zombie nations, zombie states, and zombie counties, because everybody is way beyond debt, indebted beyond, uh, up to their ears. They're about to drown, and there's no way out of this. So we think that we can get back to normal in a peak debt environment. Like peak debt, uh, I, I call when, you know, you reach the end of a monetary system when everybody is indebted. There's nobody else to push any debt into, uh, and nobody can afford it because the, the, the basically the, uh, the uh, system has come to standstill. So that's what we are facing. If we, yeah, if we try to go back to normal, we'll, we'll just end up back at where we are very, very fast. Because like, look at all the, the stimulus that have been shoved into the economy. If we uh, even like continue this and the, the Fed stimulus is coming in, we're looking at you know three point uh, what was it three point five trillion dollars a month if you do it just on regular business days, uh, you know every twenty days. Now, within a month, you you pump in 185 trillion. So that's that's almost a double the amount of the whole balance sheet right now that you're increasing. So they think that you're just going to see more and more money getting shoved into the economy. So much stimulus, everything like this is the end game uh, of a of a fiat currency system where they're just shoving in so much more you know uh, fiat into the system in order to try to save it. But what they're doing is just creating a massive, massive, massive uh, bubble that's just going to collapse in on itself. Because you can try to stimulate the economy, 
but you're stimulating something you're giving something for free out that's going to cost you way more on the other side and and there's no way out you basically are injecting people with heroin and believing that they're going to wane out for heroin yeah. and we had we had the, the former dallas fed uh governor richard fisher three years ago yeah. on cnbc said the economy was being held together by heroin and cocaine and now it's being uh put on life support using Ritalin. And I don't know if Ritalin is enough. And that was three years ago on CNBC. And this is not me saying it. That's the former Fed governor. You go back to 2011 and the Federal Reserve was saying that by 2015, that the Fed funds rate would be four and a quarter. And at the time I was thinking, okay, well, if the Fed funds rate is four and a quarter, that means that at the minimum, I mean, the government bonds at that point would have to at least be five, six, seven percent. And okay, take it at five percent, five percent of 20 trillion is a trillion dollars a year in interest. How is no one else seeing that there's no way this is possible? And I got in trouble in an email that I wrote to a client because it got picked up through my compliance department for saying that there's no way the Fed could do this in 2011. So, I mean, the dirty secret is financial advisors are not actually allowed to give financial advice because we're controlled and they have to say, and they you know, limit us as what we're saying. But there is a big distinction to make between economy and stock market. Those are not synonymous words. They can, they, I, I have no doubt that they can make the stock market go up, but making the <laughs> stock market go up and, and having the economy getting back together is not the same thing. Giving everybody $1,000 checks, and then maybe that turns into $2,000 checks, turns into universal basic income, turns into, well, you have to, yeah. Yeah. turns into this digital dollar, and now the digital dollar can then be used as the means to get the universal basic income, can also be the means to then get negative interest rates, because now if, you, if everything is controlled into a digital dollar, they can then take that away from you. And this is just huge news, and uh, I know Luke is just uh, chomping at the bit to get in. Well, from my understanding of it, uh, the analogy that I'm getting here is that the economy before this was a toothless crack whore on heroin. And right now, the economy is a toothless crack whore on heroin with coronavirus in the hospital. <laughs> you get rid of the coronavirus, she's still going to be a toothless crack whore on heroin. Leave it off what you two guys uh, close it off here because we got to end this video. Anything else you guys want to say about this Trump plan and anything we, we well, discussed? Uh, go ahead. Well, first off, just tell us how you really feel. And maybe it's more, maybe it's more on uh, being maintained on fentanyl or something at this point. But John and I did a video called The Case for No More Recessions uh, this summer. And, and the, the, the premise of that video was that they can gain – a recession is just two negative quarters of GDP. Well, if you have the government just print off trillions of dollars and, and let's say we go bomb somebody else and, 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 and you know, go bomb Libya, go bomb Syria, whoever, and now all of a sudden we've injected a trillion dollars. Now you've got a trillion dollars added to the GDP, but no one's better off. And so the GDP is a terrible measure of this. I wrote a book. If you guys want to text uh, change the news, we'll have it linked down below. It's a one word, change the news. Number is 71441. You'll get my book that is on this exact subject and then also get my, my crisis retiring presentation that I gave at 2019 Anarcha Poco, which was a blueprint on how to get through this if you're 55 to 65 and about to retire. Absolute blueprint. Information's just as valuable today as it was back then. And uh, we'll kick it off to John now. John? Well, so this is the last words that I'm going to say. Like any fiat currency in history has always died within a year. And it's always based upon the trust that this currency will have its value. And with everything that they're doing right now, people are going to see straight through it. And when people go hungry on the streets because they can't afford food because they're not getting enough currency from the government in, in uh, you know, modern monetary theory or universal basic income. Uh, that's uh, the end. It's Kaputska of the, the whole market. And, and it's going to be complete, you know, mayhem as the financial system totally collapses in on itself because it's just set to do it that way. 
but it's all based upon the trust of the public to take the medium of exchange that is forced upon them through legal tender laws. And when that trust breaks, it takes a year, then it's all gone. And believe me, it's, it's not going to be over a year. It's going to be a year. Every single freaking currency that I studied has taken a year to collapse when that trust breaks. So yeah, so you can find me at The Economic Truth. You can find all the stuff there. We're actually doing bankrun.org. Uh, I'm building that up with a news, kind of a news outlet so you can uh, get news updates from around the world where there's you know, risk of bank runs or what, what is happening with banks locally because that is what's going to happen here. Uh, and that's why they're so desperate to pull it towards the cashless system. So please check out theeconomictruth.org, find report, uh, my reports, books, everything that I'm doing there. And go and watch bankrun.org for updates on the banking system. We just did a whole video on the cashless system on the main channel, youtube.com forward slash we are changed. Check that out. Thank you again so much for watching and stay tuned for more. The United States is on track to overtake Italy and become the new coronavirus epicenter after, of course, a very large number of accelerations in infections. As that's happening, there's a debate happening right now with the potential of Donald Trump even reopening the U.S. economy in one week. We're going to get into that as well as the Dow going up with, of course, Tim Pichot, the Liberty Advisor, who's going to be talking about all the economic news. I, of course, will be talking about all the social and political news happening right now as of today, March 24th, 2020, with your latest updates here on the Change the News channel. Now, the situation is getting interesting as, of course, there's a drastic increase in numbers in the United States and also in other places like Italy, where some officials are saying the numbers could be even 10 times higher than they are right now. Many places like New York City have stopped doing tests to individuals who are not hospitalized. And of course, many people expect the numbers to be a lot higher than they are right now. And with all of this happening, Donald Trump is announcing that in one week time at the end of this 15-day lockdown, we could essentially be back to work. He's saying that he might even defy doctor's orders because he is saying that he doesn't want the cure to be worse than the problem itself. For me, this is a very dangerous gambit. This is a very dangerous gamble. And um, I, I'll, I'll express to you why I feel um, not so optimistic about this later on, but we have other comments like this coming from the Texas Lieutenant Governor who's saying senior citizens would rather die than see their country's economy ruined for their grandchildren. Tim, I know you want to make a comment about Social Security, but we'll get into that in just a little bit. Uh, but to understand Trump's argument here, which we should listen and understand fully. Uh, ultimately, what Trump is talking about is a trade-off, since, of course, there is massive economic ramifications with this latest crisis. And he is saying that there could be potentially more people who will die because of the economic ramifications, because of the economic depression, than the people who would die from the virus originally. And if you look at jobless rates, if you look at the Great Depression, if you look at isolation, uh, suicide, and other factors do cause a significant number of deaths. Now, the total tally of people who would die from a Great Depression compared to the people who would die from the coronavirus, uh, that's still unknown. And this is why this is such a gambit. But again, this is not an easy situation to be in. It's like being on the opposite end of the railroad 
and deciding who has to lay on there. And it's and sort of it's sort of a catch twenty two. It's sort of a catch twenty two because as the uh, you know if if more and more people end up getting coronavirus, then it's the longer the economy has to has to shut down, which is then the long which is then the more people that can then pass away as a result of all the economic uh, you know you know everything that's going on because I mean the average person out there has no money. The average corporation out there spent blue everything on stock buybacks. This is a terrible situation to be in. And one of the reasons why I was saying all along that America, that this is not the greatest economy ever. This is not the strongest economy ever. I had all those charts shown in my presentation uh, this past year, Anna Capoco, you know, laying, laying all those details out. The average 55 to 65 year old mm -hmm. only has 60% of them have less than 100 grand saved. So, okay, great. There's $4,000 a year of income you have off of that. And that was 100 grand saved off of a couple months ago before everything went down so now great great you've got 60 or 70 or maybe 80 grand saved okay. and you know you're looking at fifteen thousand dollars a year of social security how's the average senior citizen going to get by on twenty thousand dollars a year this is not the greatest economy it's all been propped up and uh sorry about that luke yeah, yeah no 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 you're totally fine feel free to uh, you know intervene whenever you want to but me you and john snyson an economic historian got into the larger economic ramifications, even if everything would go great in uh, another video on this channel. So make sure if you want the economic analysis of this, you check out the previous uh, video on this channel. But again, there's a lot of criticism and, and this could go either way. Trump could be right. He could be wrong. Uh, but for right now, there's a lot of unknowns. He's getting slammed by people like New York Governor Como that previously praised him. And he's pretty much saying, quote, you choose who dies. And Essentially, that's, that's an extremely very difficult call to make, and we're still waiting for a lot of data to come in. But the situation doesn't look that optimistic with also the governor complaining that only 400 ventilators were sent to New York when they need 30,000. Uh, of course, Donald Trump just answered back and said that uh, the New York government never issued an order two years ago for these ventilators and that there's a shortage. And, and obviously, it's a very difficult situation all around. But again, a situation where the government is stepping in very aggressively economically, like we're going to talk to uh, Tim in just a little bit, but also uh, with uh, you know police authority and authority over you. With the attorney general, even yesterday, talking about how the FBI is coming after price gougers. <laughs> it's coming after people who are hoarding toilet paper. And, um, you know, when you really look at the, the, the hoarders, uh, they're absolutely petty, low-life criminals, but low on the totem pole compared to the theft happening right now at wall street so priorities are, are definitely misconstrued. Oh, my, my favorite is the people hoarding mountain dew he had a couple of us hoarding 552 yeah. cans of mountain dew i mean come on i mean i'm hoarding vitamin c and you know other things and that people are hoarding absolute crap i mean uh which maybe that's why they need so much toilet paper and costco now is actually banning people from ret returning toilet paper returning rice and other essentials and you know if you went and stocked up five years worth of toilet paper I guess your SOL, uh, no pun intended on that. And uh... well, at least you'll have some toilet paper. Uh, but but again, I, I personally don't think reopening and forcing uh, everything open. Uh, it, it, I don't think it's going to pan out that well because there's still so many unknowns. We're still just getting all the information. And I think we should really, really, really take a close look at the data. I'm not one to make that decision. I wouldn't want to make that decision. Sure, Donald Trump could be right. But at the end of the day, I, don't, I think it's still premature to be completely honest. I still want people to take this seriously because there's new data coming in showing that this, you know, this virus could survive on surfaces for up to 17 days. 
17 days. So the CDC are tracing uh, this virus found in cabins on cruise ships more than two weeks after passengers left. So that's, that's, uh, that's an incredibly long lifetime that this virus could live on services. We're also finding out that high temperatures and humidity do slow down the spread of this virus, but they do not completely stop it. And again, uh, a lot of information coming in, including from an Olympic swimmer that is in perfect health in his young 30s, never smoked. Again, Olympian athlete swimmer, and he's describing getting this coronavirus as the worst thing that he has ever endured. He's talking about how going to the bathroom literally leaves him breathless and unable to breathe. So, so you know, very severe ramifications. I mean, don't go around licking, uh, you know, public spaces like some idiots on TikTok are. Take this seriously. Have some responsibility. The, the death rates, the effects are different by country, by country, whether Spain, South Korea, Germany, Italy, China, all the numbers are, are coming off very strange and uh, are very hard to grasp for many other individuals. But many decisions are being made, including that the 2020 Tokyo Olympics have been postponed to 2021. Um, and uh, of course, there's also a lot of people that are in the public light that are getting this virus, including uh, U.S. Senator Rand Paul that, that had a hit piece written about him in Time magazine that entitled an article that said Senator Rand Paul remained at work on U.S. Capitol for six days after a coronavirus test. Now, I saw this story on the top of Reddit. Everyone in the comment section was attacking U.S. Senator Rand Paul again. No fan of Rand Paul. I had my differences with him, uh, especially my confrontation with him that happened a few years ago. But when there's dishonest journalism, it needs to be called out because they leave out the fact that Rand Paul tested himself as, as a precaution since he was traveling a lot. He didn't have any symptoms uh, and he didn't have any of the particular CDC guidelines that are needed to get the test. He proactively decided to do so on a hunch. Then after he tested positive, he left. But you wouldn't understand that from reading the headline. Many people just read the headlines now. They don't read the articles. But the headline from Time Magazine, extremely deceitful. Many people think that he had this virus and was walking around. That is not the case. But the bigger takeaway here is, again, the CDC guidelines to get tested, all the guidelines weren't followed by U.S. Senator Rand Paul and he still had the virus. So I'm very happy he proactively did that. I'm very happy he's you know, quarantining. I'm very happy that you know, some, for right now he's in good health. Uh, so we should never uh, wish ill will on anyone, especially- And let's not remember, he had, let's not forget that he had that lung problem too when he ended up getting uh, you know, a sneak attacked by one of his neighbors and has a, a partially, you know, I don't know exactly what's wrong with his lung, but he had part of his yep. lung, I believe, taken out. And now we're getting people calling for his resignation. Even one of your former guests, uh, I don't want to you know, put anybody on blast on their Facebook just yesterday was demanding a resignation, a, uh, a doctor you had on. So I, I, you know, for me, it's almost like, hey, if you didn't know it, maybe you're taking one for the team, you know, taking out people in Congress up there, but, but I think it's a complete hit piece, complete crap. Uh, you know, obviously they don't like the Pauls they don't like people in the Liberty movement, uh, you know, within the greater Liberty movement, there's, you know, obviously a lot of people that, that aren't big fans of Rand Paul, but you know, they want to, 
you know, make it seem like he, you know, knew that like, had a hunch that he had it. And then he was just walking around trying to infect people when that is not the case at all. And, you know, anyone could have it. I mean, I mean, any one of those senators, my senator here, uh, Kirsten Cinema, she's calling for his resignation as well. And I think that the whole thing is, you know, just completely blown out of uh, completely blown out of portion. Yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous. And we got to know the facts here. And uh, he proactively took the right steps and prevented a major disaster from coming through. And he's getting, you know, lynched for it by the media. I mean, you got to be freaking kidding me. Uh, so this is an important point to point out because, again, the media is doing what the media does, vying for power and authority. We try to give you a clear picture away from the propaganda, away from the disinformation, trying to give you a full perspective of everything that's happening with Molly Latest updates. Yes, we have articles for the Daily Mail. Yes, we have mainstream media news articles, but we also fact check and source those articles to make sure that they are correct uh, and of course when the information is verified with other sources we then release it to you now uh economic uh news is also very interesting tim and i kind of wanted you to kind of take this because the dow just you know closed not, not so long ago 600 points down but right now it surged more than a thousand five hundred points a lot of people are seeing signs that are in the green a lot of people are happy a lot of people are optimistic but what's the reality of that situation well, the reality is that we have a Fed-controlled market. And if we just take a look at just what the Federal Reserve has done, I mean, I made a quick bullet point. Usually I don't make any notes when I do this stuff, but it's, there's so many little things that they've done, not little things, actually gigantic things. And just running down the list real quick here, just in the past you know, three weeks, they've reduced rates down to zero. They've reduced the reserve requirement down to zero. And thank you for one of our listeners for actually uh, sending me the, uh, the details on that. There was three $500 billion three-month term repos, so $1.5 trillion given to the banks there, $185 billion a day in QE, although yesterday I think it was only, only $100 billion. They're willing to provide unlimited support to the markets. They're buying mortgage-backed securities, treasuries. They're uh, outright monetizing the debt, which is something they said that they would never do. They are buying municipal bonds. They're buying corporate bonds. They're using stocks as collateral. They're using other non-quote-unquote safe assets as collateral when that, they said that isn't supposed to be going on. The Financial Accounting Safety Board came out and said that uh, that basically that the banks should have different accounting rules so that way they can hide some of their losses. There's a two-year blackout on knowing which banks are getting this repo money. There's a six-month blackout on any of these bailout proposals. We've got talks of a digital dollar that was on the main We Are Change channel and where we're going to go through, where we went through, you know, a lot of uh, the things going on with that. And just remember, we went from having the Fed say that they could sell $50 billion of bonds a month to now buying $185 billion a day. That is quite the dichotomy to just, you know, go through, you know, basically at the, uh, the turn of a dime. Now, this article over here, you know, is really rich. We have Trump is finally happy with Powell. I called him today and I said, Jerome, good job. I'm happy with him. I think he did. He's caught up and he's done the right thing. And I think ultimately he will be rewarded because of the decision he made over the last. He's really stepped up over the last week. I called him today and I said, Jerome, good job. He was a little bit slower than what I'd like in the sense of what he was doing. But today, and I don't know, it keeps kind of repeating the same thing I said over there. I didn't write the article. Uh, I'm just like anchorman over here reading this. So with, uh, with, with that said, this is what probably pisses me off more than anything when it comes to Donald Trump, because he was saying Janet Yellen is in there doing political things to help out Hillary, that we need to have the rates uh, go up. And the rates do need to go up. The rates needed to go up years and years and years ago. We should have had the free market at work. But the reason why they can't afford to have the rates go up is because of something called interest rate risk. And so interest rate risk is the, uh, is the financial planning concept where you have 
if the interest rate goes up, the underlying value of the bonds go down. Now, the reason for that is, let's say you could get 3% interest rates and now you can get, let's say, 5% interest rates. Well, why would anybody want your 3% bond if now they have 5% bonds? So you would then have to discount that. And the mechanism by how they discount that is, uh, let's say you have a 10-year duration bond, rates go up 1%, you've got a million bucks, now your million bucks is now 900,000. Rates go up 2%, now you've got $780,000. Now imagine you're the US government and you've got you know, $200 trillion of unfunded liabilities out there, or imagine you're the Fed and you've got a $5 trillion balance, I mean, I'll say only, it's probably about $4.5 trillion balance sheet. Any raise in interest rates would actually decimate their balance sheet. Now, believe it or not, I actually uh, had one of our congressmen out here a few years ago. I asked a question to him, and he actually asked that question to uh, Janet Yellen at the time. I almost fell out of bed when I found out that my, my ball buster question ended up making it directly to Janet Yellen. And I asked her, I go, how are you guys ever going to raise rates? Because if you guys did raise rates, then essentially what would happen is you'd end up actually losing money. Because uh, what happens now is the Fed actually gives back six, I don't mean, I say gives back. So they take 6% of the profit. They give back 94% to the treasury because the Fed actually is making money. But you know, there is a situation to be said where let's say they're paying out you know, 2% to the banks but only collecting, let's say one, you know, they would be losing money. And so I asked, my question was, are you going to send the treasury a bill for what's going on? And she actually said my, my, uh, my thesis was, was impossible. I mean, it's not impossible. It's what's going on. I mean, an alien attack is technically possible. And yet these people are completely clueless. It's the most probable uh, example of what's going on. And you even got people at Goldman Sachs now saying that now is a good time to buy the currency of last result, re, not re, result, of resort, and that would be gold. My grandfather has a golden rule, and it's whoever has the gold makes the rules. And I think at some point that's going to be coming back into play here as, you know, you know our, our current you know, currency is turning into toilet paper. However, our currency is actually going to get stronger. And something I was saying that it's going to get stronger amidst all this is the cleanest shirt and dirty, dirty laundry. But as it gets stronger, that strength will eventually make it hard for other countries who are borrowing in dollars. It's going to make them harder to pay back those loans. And eventually that strength is going to lead to its weakness. And, uh, you know, it's going to, you know, it's just like every, everything. Everything's always the strongest. It's always when people are the most complacent. We had Donald Trump, you know, pimping stocks on, you know, February 15th, talking about extra incentives to get people to buy stocks outside of their IRAs, outside of their 401ks, at the very, very top, the worst moment possible, max complacency. And the funny thing is, is that the stocks that represented 67% of all the earnings were actually the MAGA stocks. And what I mean by MAGA stocks is it was, uh, it was Microsoft, Amazon, Google, and Apple at the time represent 67% of all the S&P 500 earnings. Uh, but yo, now is a good time to be looking at doing other things. I am a financial advisor. We can help people get gold into IRAs or other assets that aren't as traditional. Just quick shameless plug on that. But yeah, this is a completely engineered, fake, phony economy. It's been fake and phony the entire time. And uh, I mean, I guess one other thing I want to just inter interject that doesn't really have to do with the economy, but you know, it is the, is, it is the Olympics and we have a, an Olympic swimmer who is a hundred meter uh, breaststroke. That was actually my event in college was hundred meter breaststroke. And in the fact that you've got somebody in this type of shape who now can't even walk around, this is actually starting to make me a little bit concerned because, you know, and, and it's important that they did delay the Olympics because you can't just go willy nilly into this as elite athletes, you actually have to, there's a lot of training that goes into, I mean, obviously there's a lot of training, but you, it, how you periodize your training, how you deliberately break your body down and get to the point where you can barely move. And then you then try to then 
get your body to peak, they call it a taper, at the exact moment. So then that way you get this supercharge of energy. And it's very, very hard to hit this this taper. And so, I mean, they have it in swimming, they have it, in, obviously almost all sports have some form of taper. And so I am glad to see that they have at least given some, you know, assurities to all these people that have worked, you know, their butts off their entire life for this opportunity. And now, you know, there is some, you know, I guess closure on that. And so that at least makes me happy, you know, as a, as a former swimmer, but, uh, yeah, this is all fake, phony economy, and it's it's uh, you know I think that this that this is sort of like a crack up you know dead cat bounce we're getting. But I mean, imagine all the news we had to do in order to get this bounce. I mean, I list, I rattled off all the things that the Fed has done, and we've seen I don't want to say only going up fifteen hundred points, but I mean last Wednesday the market went down three thousand points. Okay, great, it's got half of what it did last Wednesday off the backs of the Fed saying they're going to go out and buy the entire world. Look. Yeah, I mean, we just had to, you know, initiate communism in order to see economic growth. Uh, and as I described the economy, it's pretty much a toothless crack whore on heroin. That's the perfect analogy uh, to what the economy is, as you can see from the previous videos. Very important videos we did today on the main channel, on the backup channel. De definitely checking them out. And yeah, uh, a, a lot of people are taking this seriously. Uh, I would definitely take this seriously. You look at this uh, Olympic swimmer. I mean, he said he was struggling with the disease for 14 days. Again, never smoked, healthy individual, Olympic swimmer uh, at a demographic that's not at risk. And well, maybe, maybe, that's his, maybe that's his problem. I mean, Michael, Michael Phelps was a well-known smoker, and, and that guy was uh, doing a lot better than everyone else. So maybe, maybe yeah, that was yeah, his he, Well, he didn't smoke, allegedly. Uh, but he's talking about, you know, like 14 days, severe fever, uh, but, but still grasping with severe fatigue and unshakable cough. Uh, and uh, you really read his account. This is something you don't want to get. This is something you want to prevent. This is something that you want to make sure you take all the smart preventative measures uh, to be responsible for yourself and your loved ones and the people in your community so the government doesn't have a bigger crisis to intervene with. If there's no crisis, the government doesn't intervene. They don't strip away your rights. They don't try to create a digital currency. They don't try to control every little aspect of your existence. That's something that we want. That's something that we should take seriously. And that's something that we should strongly consider, especially with the possibility of opening the economy. That's my take on it. Tim, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate uh, working with you. It's a great time to uh, work with a financial planner during this crazy economic time. Hope you guys are enjoying the video. Share it with your friends and family members if you are. We're going to have a lot more, uh, especially with the more positive feedback we get from you here on Change the News channel.